This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. A weekend without football. It feels a bit odd, but thanks for joining us again here on Blood Red. Well, during the international breaks, it gives us a chance to delve a bit deeper. And this week, we've been catching up with Oxford United manager Carl Robinson. I'm Guy Clark, and over the next 25 minutes or so, join us as we talk all things Ben Woodburn, Trent Alexander-Arnold's early Liverpool days, the risk of burnout, and how Oxford will be looking to take inspiration from Liverpool to beat Man City in the Carabao Cup. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Carl, first things first, thanks very much for joining us here on Blood Red. Uh, How are you? No problem, I'm fine, thank you. Hopping along with today, for the first time we've got a We've got a nice break as well during this period and it's, uh, it's given us all time to rest. I was going to say, for it being in League One, obviously you never know if you're going to get that international break because it's all about the amount of call-ups you have. But the cut and thrust of it, you've, you're in four competitions, I think, so far already this season. It must be nice to actually have time to just take a breather. Yeah, it is. I think there's only Liverpool probably better sort of win record so far this season. Um the players have been fantastic. They've uh, to, to compete within within four competitions at our level is, is quite phenomenal, and, and something I've been managing for a long time, and it's never I've never been had the opportunity to actually do this. So I think from from that point of view, we feel very blessed that we we've been given the opportunity to compete against some good teams and and still be ultra competitive in the league as well. And and obviously that's our main objective. But to, to have good cup runs along the way, and only going to enhance what we do as a football club. And I suppose we're a third of, or best part of a third of the way through the league campaign. And I suppose for you guys at Oxford, it's sort of been a third of two sixths so far. And all around your landmark 500th game as a manager, that win over Tranmere, obviously only down the road from here, really sort of that from that moment on, you guys seem to have really picked up in League One. Yeah, we got a little bit of unfair criticism, really. Um we started the season by going away to Sunderland at the Stadium of Light and, and, and to be fair, by being miles better than Sunderland on the day in every area of the pitch um, and got a good point. We then played Peterborough at home in the cup, beat them, who were obviously the, one of the best teams in our league and then we beat them in the league. So we were sat there after seven days thinking we've had a fantastic start and then we had a, we had three league games in seven days and lost all three um, through Pissing chances and, and to be honest, dominating them. Since then, we've sort of we've sort of been on a phenomenal run. It's been over two months now since we've tasted defeat, and the players' attitude and mentality towards has been fantastic. I suppose that is one of the key things because you've got quite a, a young squad there at Oxford as well, certainly top end of the pitch. And I suppose it's a case of filling them with that confidence that even if chances are missed or aren't quite created in some games, it's a case of you've got that confidence to just keep going. Yeah, we have. We we are the young, you're right. Even just excited in, in the cup competitions, we are sixteen year old taking the pitch, and the seventeen year old captain us for the night. So well, we do believe in that. We do believe in the sort of philosophy, and we do try and do the right way. Uh, but when you when you begin the season, when you miss chances, it is about a state of mind. Institute. Talking about the the young nature of the squad, it has been something I suppose through your managerial career you have really worked well with, and something I suppose you enjoy as a manager. Yeah, you certainly do. I think obviously that the be all and end all is, is what every fan only ever looks for, and that's the result on a Saturday afternoon. Um, 
differences sometimes for the longevity of a football club. You have to worry about the academy, you have to worry about the development of the young people that you have in the building. And by the way, that's not just the players, it's the young coaches, it's the young sort of people who work behind the scenes as well. You've got to give them an opportunity to work in this industry. And I think one thing we're certainly reaping the rewards of that, especially after United this season, is last season we played a lot of these young players and we've got belief in them. And they, they seem to be repaying us. And we've got obviously a young boy from Liverpool as well, and Woody, who, who still is the youngest goal scorer. So he came to us on a real low this summer um, after, a, after a difficult loan last year. And I just think the belief that you put in them sort of supports their talent. I suppose that is one of the the, the interesting parts because you mentioned there, obviously, w- with the youngsters on loan, and Ben Woodburn didn't have the greatest of time at, at Sheffield United, but is instilling that confidence in players who, I suppose, in League One, they know that they're not quite your player, but you've got to get them to buy into everything you do, and, and you are there to aid their development. Yeah, you are. I think I think the difference with you was I think I think that loan that you went almost too soon. Um, I think people forget how young he is. Uh, the championship is, is so unforgiving. It's, it's incredible. Um, the style of play at that level is a little bit different to the Premier League. It's a little bit more uh, forceful in, in the way that you get the ball through the thirds. It's certainly more aggressive out of possession. Um, where Woody's just an absolute talent. And I think when he came in the summer, I think he knew the players of work where they knew. Weirdly, I had him at eight years of age as well when I was a coach at Liverpool. So, He's somebody that I've known for for over ten years. Um, not saying we've kept in contact, far from it, but somebody that I knew and obviously his mum used to bring him, and we had good contact. So when the opportunity arose with young Woody, it was it was a no-brainer for everybody. I think it was a no-brainer for Liverpool, the player, and certainly a no-brainer for Oxford United. And I know you spoke in the summer about wanting to add someone at the top end of the pitch, and I suppose with someone like Ben Woodburn. Everything, everything sort of fits together because you mentioned the relationship you've got with him, the fact that he's at an age probably where he wants to go out and play games. Although he obviously scored at Anfield for Liverpool, being such a young goal scorer for the club at the time, but everything does sort of seem to, to fit right there because it's about, I suppose, having people around you that you can trust as a young player as well. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's paramount to, to all the young players. Though. I think they, they have to trust you as much as we have to trust them. I think when you look at Especially this season, he, at the beginning of the year, he was, he was really good uh, to the point he was one of the most foul players in the league at one stage and a tackle that ended up breaking his foot. Um, a very aggressive tackle that broke his foot, funny enough, uh, in relation to it. Certain people seem to think that's okay when they can do that to some players, but it was. Um, he, he certainly, this injury will also make him a better player because sometimes you have to deal with these situations to become a better player to understand and respect the game a little bit more and understand that there's only one way that you can stop some of the other these talents and, and that is effectively going beyond the laws of the game. Um, and he, he was certainly getting treatment in, in our league that I felt uh, wasn't fair. Um, I think he was a marked man because of his reputation. But he's coped with it so well uh, and Liverpool should be extremely proud of him. Is that one of the elements, I suppose, for the young players they've got to learn? Is that mental fortitude being out on loan? Because, as you say, he comes from Liverpool, he comes from the Premier League. With some of the, perhaps, lower league experienced defenders, he is going to be a marked man. They're going to think, right, I'm going to show this lad something he's never seen in youth team football. And, and then it is about that ability to be able to read the game, not in terms of the, the passing aspect, but knowing when someone might be trying to come and clatter you. 
yeah, but like I say, that, that's all part of development and some people might think that's not a nice way of putting it, but it is unfortunately, it's the next stage of his development. Understanding that there's going to be jealousy at times, there's going to be people who want to sort of affect him in different ways. Some might be verbally, some maybe physically. Some might try and run him. Um, that will always be something different in every single game that you play in. Um, but he's dealt with everything, Woody, and I'm really pleased in how he's conducted himself. And hopefully over this rehabilitation period, like I say, I believe he will come back a better player because of it. And I bet you're chomping at the bit to get him back. Yo, massively. Like I say, he's not back till... I know he's away this week with Liverpool. He's he's on a on a on a sort of training camp. Um, good, luckily enough, Richie Parks, as you have known for for many many years, um, obviously looking after him, so I can speak, keep in regular contact with him. Um, and then we're hoping we're hoping in two, two two and a half weeks when he gets back, he can come down with us and just finish off his rehabilitation. Uh, and then he'll be hopefully ready and ready to go. Lucky enough for me for MK Dons um, and the Man City game. Yeah, such a yeah, big game for you. Obviously, the MK Dons one, and you mentioned uh, the Man City game. We best touch on it. You obviously at MK Dons during that historic uh, win over Manchester United, and now obviously get the chance to complete your own uh, Manchester double, I suppose. Yeah, it'd be nice for <laughs> Liverpool. Um, it was the Man United game was phenomenal. Um, obviously, you had no growing up as a kid in Liverpool. That was always a team that no one ever really liked so to have the opportunity to, to do that against a team at that level was phenomenal and to be fair to play up against Man City we played them last season I thought we'd give a fantastic performance of ourselves um, it was only three and when you've seen what they've done to other teams um, and our style didn't change we still tried to play the right way we still tried to do the right things and we'll do it again uh, but arguably you come up against the champions of England at this moment in time and you know you're going to be in for a game it's going to be very difficult to want Pep certainly does his he doesn't rotate his players that much. He, he tends to go strong in every single competition he plays in. And you likewise go strong yourselves. That 4-0 win over West Ham United, I suppose, must be the uh, the pinnacle of the cup run so far. Um, yeah, it is. I think it's obviously when you, whenever you're playing as a Premier League team and you see the quality of players that you had out, it's always going to be one that everyone will look back on. But we've played well in, in probably 90% of our games this season. We've been the better team. Uh, the West Ham game will, will take more headlines obviously because of the level of their app but the players that there we made six changes ourselves to what our starting eleven. Uh, so it shows shows you how much strength we have in depth as well and I'm sure when it comes to the round to the Man City game I'm sure the problem for us is it's on a Wednesday night and we play again on the Saturday. So again the, the football league don't want to help us but we'll uh, we look forward to the challenge. And do you pick up the phone to Jurgen before the game perhaps and Try and get a, a, a yeah. chat with him. No, not at all. No, we're leaving to it. We've, uh, like I said, I think on any given day, even as a Liverpool fan, we watched the game at the weekend, and the Man City fans will say if, if one minute could be changed, it could be could be looking at a completely different league table. And for what we might think was the right outcome, there'd be fifty percent of people out there would think it was the wrong outcome in relation to the handball and Liverpool scoring on the counter from that. So. When you play against these teams, you always need an element of luck, um, whether that be a missed chance, a referee decision, or one the goal going in yourself. It doesn't matter how much preparation you do. The preparation is always to stop your mistakes. The fact is that when you do win these games, you tend to find there's an element of luck along the way. And we hope that we have um, a lot more luck than what Liverpool had or anybody else had against them. 
obviously not just as a Liverpool fan, but as a, a manager and someone who works in football, how much joy do you get at the moment watching Liverpool? Obviously, you probably don't get to watch them live all too much because you're coaching Oxford, but when you watch them back and catch up on things, how much joy does it bring you in, in terms of just seeing the level in which Jurgen Klopp's taken this side too? Yeah, not just Jurgen Klopp. I think I think any manageable, I think you put... When you look at the quality of players Liverpool have right now, to, to be able to go into the transfer window and bring in obviously Allison and, and, and Van Dijk and people like that in the front three that Liverpool have, it, it, it doesn't make any of our job so much easier. I think the one thing that Liverpool fans actually do sort of resonate with is, is his connection with the people of Liverpool. I think it's something that I know my dad always used to speak about many years ago with Shankly and it was a connection between the terraces and the pitch. Um, and you can almost feel that because of his intensity and the way he manages. Um, I just hope this year is the year that we can shove off a few other people and, and win the title and to say that Liverpool actually have won a Premier League title um, and not just the Football League. It'd be something that I think every Liverpool fan was at the Arsenal game, funny enough, at Anfield. And that was a song that constantly get, kept me sung by the Arsenal fans, by where they were sat. Um, so it'll be nice for the dude to get over the line this season. How important is it that, as a manager as well, that you get the the understanding of the area you're in? Certainly here in Liverpool, where the football club it, it means so much more than just the eleven players that play every week. Yeah, it's weird. That's one of the reasons probably why I left Charlton because one thing about especially down that that neck of the woods, they almost feel like they need somebody from their area managing their football club. I don't think Liverpool's quite like that. I don't think they care where you're from as long as you get the culture and the way. Life is lived up there, um, and I think that when you if you buy into that and you you understand that and you respect that and you respect people in general, um, and you have a bit of humility about yourself, it's amazing how you, you can actually drive a connection. And I think that there's certain clubs that that is a necessity. There's other clubs that it's not. Um, I think like Chelsea maybe where you don't overly need a connection when you see how many different managers they have from all over the different places. But I think one club, one thing about Liverpool Football Club is that I do think you need that connection. I do think you need that humility and obviously that strength of character to manage arguably one of the greatest football clubs in the world. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You spoke before about how you've known Ben Woodburn since the age of eight. I think you've known Trent Alexander-Arnold for a little bit longer from when he was six or so. And he is famously the scouser in the team now. Yeah, I think I, I think that's another thing quite synonymous with Liverpool Football Club. I think one thing that we've gone through the decades is that there's always been something there that connects the terraces with the pitch. I think that is a necessity, obviously, for many years. Arguably one of the best footballers in the world is Steven Gerrard. Um, but it, it was a connection. Um, Robbie Fowler, Stephen Manaman. I think since, since Steve Highway took over the academy, there's always been somebody there that has had a connection with Liverpool as a city. Uh, and having somebody like Trent in there, it gives every young boy um, or girl uh, an opportunity to to see that they can live their dreams and they can, if they work hard, achieve something maybe people think is an unachievable goal. And I think Trent is a role model, the way he conducts himself, the way he speaks in the media, the way he plays. He's, he's the perfect role model for any young person in Liverpool. Yeah, I saw an interview that you'd done a couple of years ago about how you were central to, to Trent coming in at Liverpool ahead of Everton. He was a striker, and this was when he was first breaking into the Liverpool team. Mad to think now he's yeah. played over 100 games. Yeah, it's, yeah listen, I've not probably not spoken to Trent since he was probably about 11, because obviously I left then. 
But when you, I remember him coming in very early on, and, and at that particular stage, a lot of people wanted him. I think it was Ian Barrigan who brought him in as the scout at the time. Um, somebody looked after him an awful lot and made sure that he was going around the house. And um, but he was just a kid who wanted to score goals back then, and that was something that was that was, was quite. It, it was endearing about him. It was something that you couldn't help but like. Is he was just a young kid who had loads of energy, wanted to score. To see him now playing at right back and seeing the quality he has in that right foot is, is incredible. And for me, he's he, he should be a set for playing for England week in week out as well. Yeah, it seems odd that he, he hasn't been playing for England, but in terms of his development and going forward, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, how he creates so much from right back. And I suppose he's almost redefining that role in this Liverpool system, just how many goals he and Andy Robertson do create. Yeah, was it the was it the Villa goal where Andy Robertson comes in back post and scores with a header? It's, a, it's amazing how high the fullbacks do get in the Liverpool team. Um, it's allowed to get high, obviously, because how narrow the front three play, but and how wide the three underneath that play. Weirdly, where the, the centre midfield players press the full-backs and allow the strikers to stay quite aggressive in the positions. And it's a unique system. It's one that you can see it very clear, very obvious for everybody to see. Um, and it's it's something that allows the more offensive players to be actually um, finding themselves in 1v1 situations with central defenders, which is probably one of the best outcomes you can get as a manager or a coach, you tend to find you have your most mobile and the most athletic types of players running up against what is foreseen as the most sort of stiffest players, which is the centre-backs. It's a really unique aspect of that, but for that to work and then to play so narrow and to be so aggressive, you need full-backs to have an ability to get forward and have an athleticism that sort of other people can't cope with, and that's certainly the case at the moment. And We all see in the first half on, on Sunday, we, play, we played in the FA Cup on telly in the game before so when we got back on the coach it was, and it was 2-0 all you could see from then on in was, was just a, a siege of red and it was it was it's unplayable at times Yeah certainly as you say the, the way in which the fullbacks really do play like like wingers but Trent at 20 years of age obviously you famously had Deli Alley, uh, MK Dons as well, and these yeah. these are two guys who obviously made it to the top and playing uh, England for England under Gareth Southgate and stuff. And I suppose one thing that neither have got they've always kept that drive and determination to play right at the top and not get sidetracked. Which I suppose, from a, a coach's point of view, to keep them grounded in that manner must take some doing. But then again, the amount of determination they have probably helps them along the way themselves. Yeah, I think. I think to succeed at that level, you've got to be single-minded at certain times. You've got to have an attitude about you or an arrogance in some ways. That's not a bad arrogance. It's a good arrogance that you need to cope and play at the top level. Um, obviously, Delhi's going through a bit more of a, a difficult time at this moment. But I think so. Is he play, he's someone who's only 23 and playing their 300 games at the top level. It's phenomenal. And the one thing I do worry about for the likes of Trent and for Delhi and for all the young English players... We're getting so money-driven now by Champions League games, by trips to Asia in the summer, trips to America at the back end of the season, or over to Australia, or playing for England in, in different competitions. These players are playing far too much for their age. And it, it's scary how much football they are actually playing. So I just hope, this, and the problem is, the better they become and the better they play, the more people want to see them, and the more they come, become a commodity, and the more that, that people want to, that is the case, the more it's going to affect their game and it's not their fault. They're only obliging to, to contracts that people are signing for them. So I just hope that the better these people get and the better they, they sort of become over the next two or three years, 
people forget that they're still young and they're still the human beings. They're not robots that have a have a capacity to to overload and be able to shut them down for a small period of time and then they go again. They need a longer recovery time. They need a break from the game. Remember Steve Highway famously saying always to us as young coaches that when we finish in the summer, our young players should go away and play a different sport and almost leave the football for at least three to four weeks. And it's something that I've always remembered and something that I've always said to all my players, yeah, they do get a break. Try and stay away from the industry because it, it, it allows you to recharge and go again. And I suppose that's mentally more than anything, but Jurgen Klopp spoke about this at length before the Man City game about obviously the, the trip to Qatar that's coming up and you alluded to it before ahead of obviously talking about your Man City game and the fact that the league haven't rescheduled in any way, but whatever division it is, whether it's right at the top level or in the Football League as you find yourself, it is about giving players rest so they can perform at their best. Yeah, but don't forget there's people sat at the top of these trees who are earning a lot of money because of what we do in this industry. And they don't care about that. They don't care about how much football we play. They don't care about the well-being of these players. They don't care about the mental health of managers and staff. And they don't care about the financial output of players, of fans. It, it, it's ridiculous. And we, we're an entertainment industry that we get. What we're speaking to somebody today, you've got Olympic Olympic athletes who are seen as the greatest athletes on the planet, who train for four years to perform once. Yeah, you're talking these players at our level. We're going to end up this year, Oxford United playing their 60 games. Okay, they're all in England, so it's fine. But if you look at the Liverpool players, I think they're going to be over 50 as well, and that's with flying all over the world, playing in Europe, playing in different competitions. At some stage, it's going to be a drop-off in performance because of it. And all of a sudden, the players get the blame for that. But the people at the top who are earning all the money, no one will ever speak to them or, to, or, or question them publicly. And this is where we've got to be careful. We've got to make sure that we play less games and we have more of a... And people might listen to this and say, yeah, but it's only football. When you're travelling, preparing, you prepare for three days for any game. Uh, and the mental fatigue that comes along with that at the top level is, is is phenomenal and mind-blowing. So we just hope that we do look after these young players and give them a, a better development programme. And also, you say people listening to this, and it was something Klopp alluded to in his pre-match interview, it's not a manager sort of complaining or whining about anything that the players haven't got enough rest time. It's it's actually on the concern and the well-being of the individuals involved. Forget oh, their no. footballers, the actual well-being of the people. Yeah. Yeah, but don't forget, so, 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 for instance, let's, let's, don't forget we've got kids and wives and families as well. And, OK, the, the money in the industry is phenomenal. And no, when, If you ask me tomorrow to turn up to do an interview or to, to go underwear, I would do it 100%. But the output that these people put in, they are at 100%, 100% of the time. And we all know that there's a burnout in that. And... There's a mental burnout, obviously, and there's a physical burnout. And if fans want to pay, if, if people want to pay or put prices on on these tickets, we've got to make sure our players are 100 percent when they perform. But there's no other there's no other industry like this where you play so many games, whether it be rugby, athletics. It, there's never been so many games in our industry than what there is today. It's almost impossible to go a night where there's not a game on TV. It's almost impossible to go a day in the summer where you can't find a game somewhere um, or to know that your team is, is preparing for a game. 
and it's it's just exploded over the last over the last five years. It's become it's become phenomenal, and like I said before, the better you are, the more you play. And just on obviously the volume of of games on a different tangent to that yourself, even prior to to turning forty, young, very young for a manager, yet already reached five hundred games in the industry. That must be something you yourself are very proud of. Yeah, it's not something that you you sort of ever really look at your own personal achievements because although you should, but it's not something you tend to do. You, you get lost in the moment, you get lost in in the games that you're all in, you're, you're in yourself, but. When you sit and think that I was lucky enough to get my pro license at a certain age and get promotions um, to work with some top players, whether it be at Blackburn or teams that have managed, uh, I've been very, very lucky. And like I say, it's just that it's been a roller coaster. I mean, Mister, I'll tell you, it's been a nightmare at times, but I've had some really good times. And to only be 39 to have over 500 games is, yeah, it's it's quite scary, really. And obviously no game this weekend, but sitting fourth in League One, Carl, we'll all be watching on with uh, plenty of interest to how you do, but hopefully this run of form that you're on continues and, as I say, form's uh, form's temporary, but class is permanent and hopefully it's the latter for you guys this year in League One. We hope so. We hope so. Uh, We we play in a a lovely way. Um, They're great to watch. It's a joy to watch them. And if I get excited, it means they're doing something well. Um, because I, I do mould a lot, my players will tell you that I, I do. I do strive for perfection, maybe sometimes too much. Um, but when you, I always say working at Liverpool and people like Steve Irwin for seven years, he would never accept anything other than any of us, even as young coaches. Um, and some of the best years of my life, and some of the biggest learning curves in my life, I've been working at that football club because um, the standards are above and beyond anything I've ever seen before. Um, and when you, you talk about people like Steve Iway, who's who's played for some of the greatest managers in the post history, you can instill things in you that you take into your personal life and into your professional life moving forward. And I've learned just a few things from him that I've tried to restore to my players. That no matter whatever you win or how many you win by, there's always another game going to happen the following week, and you've got to make sure that you prepare and get yourself ready for that as well. And don't celebrate any win just yet. There's a, there's a long summer. Or there's a few weeks in the summer that you can that you can really enjoy it. And if you're gonna have a good night out, go have a good night out with a medal around your neck or achieving something, not just one or two small wins throughout the course of the season. And that's gonna be our our, our our motive throughout the course of the next sort of six months. Yeah, and hopefully we can look back in May and you guys have achieved your objectives and the Reds have won that elusive league title. It'd be phenomenal. Like I say if <laughs> for, me, for me personally it'd be brilliant and for my players and for the fans of Oxford United it'd be something that I would feel really proud of but for Liverpool also win the league it'll be phenomenal we've seen the scenes in the summer when obviously coming back after winning in the Champions League final the like, city Liverpool football is, is the heartbeat and, and the people are, are, the, are the biggest part of that as well and I think to have Liverpool back at the top of the tree and back winning titles is something we all long for as fans because I still go and watch Liverpool on a regular basis as a fan whenever I can whenever they're playing down south whenever they're playing at Anfield when I can get there I get to as many games as I possibly can and I don't sit in in directors box seats or I sit actually with my dad and friends and family and it'll be something that hopefully I've not really looked at when the season finishes but I'd like to think that our season finishes before Liverpool and I can go to the last game 
Yeah, well, that sounds like a fitting way to to wrap up, Carl. Thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, great no to catch up. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Oxford United manager Carl Robinson here with us on the Blood Red podcast with some forthright but quite correct views there on the fixture congestion up and down the football pyramid. Well, don't forget to stay tuned to our other offerings here on Blood Red through the international break. We'll make sure we get through it together. In all seriousness, though, thanks a lot for your time and your company. And until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.